in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the hootie to your blowfish, except I didn't create the summer soundtrack of 1996. You did not. You did not very sadly, but you are on a podcast. Yes. Which is honestly just as good. Probably the soundtrack of people's road trips and boring times. That is very true, but we're about to make it a lot more interesting, Chris, because we are going to close out our Art Bell Hail Bop Heaven's Gate series with part three. Ooh, let's go, dude. So finally going to answer the question. Was Art Bell responsible for the Heaven's Gate's ritual suicide? We are going to answer it, and we are going to hear the email correspondence between me and Heaven's Gate surviving members as well, um, so that you can actually get a sense of what they think about this. Because as much as all of us researchers can research into it, it's always good to actually ask the people that we're talking about, in my personal opinion. Absolutely, dude. What a journalist, dude. You know, I'm not going to say I'm a journalist, but this is the closest I'll ever get. Really, more of an ethnographer, if you're thinking about it. You're you're swimming through the ocean of conspiracy, cultism, and just a, a whole myriad of things. Just trying to get to the truth, trying to yeah. unpack the truth, and we're going to do our best to unpack that today. And I'm not helping you making this a serious endeavor. You're not. You're all. not. But that's I'm okay. Yeah, I'm going to do my best, even even with that. But before yeah. we get there, Chris, we must check in with Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog, because we got a doozy today. Tim Tam! Today's article, Russia claims to have shot down a mysterious ball-shaped UFO. So just a little side note, I sent this to Paul as soon as it was reported, and I think the AP, and I was like, dude, Tim Banal is going to write this up in the next day or two. If I got the notification for this, Tim Banal got the notification to it. And what do we got? Yeah. We got a UFO shot down, Chris. Those red Russians. They don't shooting care. Down man. UFOs. What if they start a third, a third, third world war? It would be a, it would be an intergalactic war. Uh, the first one. Yeah, potentially our first intergalactic war, depending on where these aliens came from. Ooh, we don't know. Could ooh. be interplanetary if they're living on the crust beneath Europa and they're fish people. We don't know. Or or if these are the John Rodian lizards in the hollow earth. That's true. They could be terrestrial in nature. They we could don't know. be terrestrial. And then it is a world war. How do you add this world war? Would it be the third world war or would you start with the new one because it's going to be probably most of humanity versus the lizards well let's figure out if it's a ufo first and okay. then we'll, we'll get right. there too excited thinking about the the lore potential in a curious case out of russia an anti-aircraft defense system is said to have shot down a mysterious object that has been described as a ball-shaped ufo 
The strange incident reportedly occurred on Tuesday evening in the Rostov Oblast region, which is the southern part of the country. Detailing the event on social media, Mayor Vasily Gulubev, I, these names are so hard. No, dude, you're, just keep going. Don't even <laughs> apologize. This is Russian. The people will forgive you. The mayor revealed that a, quote, small-sized object in the shape of a ball had been observed flying over the village of Sultan Sala, and he explained that since it was apparently not something that belonged to the Russian military, the decision was made to liquidate it. How big would you say it was? I would say it was small-sized. Small-sized thing. It was the small-sized object, sir. Decision was taken to liquidate it is the coolest way that you could say yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's badass. Need to be liquidated. Liquidate. Beyond noting the object's curious shape, Golubev did not provide any additional details as to the nature of the oddity, and instead simply assured residents that they had nothing to fear as the sky is covered with anti-aircraft defenses. In covering the incident, a local media outlet ran with the mayor's comments and declared that, quote, a UFO in the form of a ball had been downed over Rostov Oblast. You know, it's actually pretty impressive Is if this is a smallish sized ball that their anti-aircraft weapons could take it down is actually pretty impressive. I'm honestly shocked this is the first time something like this has happened, though, because yeah. the U.S. military has been seeing things like this forever and they don't shoot it down. But I think because Ukraine and Russia are actually at war, they're yeah. probably actually more in the mood for gunning down these UFOs. Right, 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 right. No, 100 percent, dude. It's that you're you're looking for it now. So shortly thereafter, a different Russian news agency shared a video that appears to show the moment when Russian air defense is shot down the object. In the footage, a fiery projectile can be seen ascending through the sky and ultimately exploding with a bright blast when it presumably struck the UFO. Paul, Russian state propaganda, please. However you would like to define it, Chris. Uh, they did a report on this actually occurring. As for what the weird object shot down over Rostov Oblast could have been, given the region's proximity to Ukraine, it has been suggested by one Russian official that the ball-shaped oddity could have been some kind of adversarial drone. There, that's That seems to be the most likely for me, but also very interesting that we have propulsion like that so easily now, that you don't really need rotors or anything like that you you're just like free moving even if it's just a small object yeah and that's the thing too is that a, a lot of folks have said that the ufos that are being seen is just some sort of undisclosed military technology and i've been that's, a little that's skeptical been my that. yeah that's been my general theory especially since congress and the military industrial complex have been doing these slow leaks over the last couple of years well with this, this incident, military technology with this incident i'm actually much more convinced of that fact because right. if there was going to be a place that the u.s was going to start sending super secret drones it's going to be over russia right now so it right. seems like exactly. that may have just occurred yeah yeah well so good so so i guess <laughs> it will just be regular world war three paul not not intergalactic world war one Sadly, no reptilians or fish people from Europa, but hey, next time. Next time. Next time. All right, so some quick housekeeping. We have an email address. Send your thoughts and episode requests to c2cpmpod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, please drop us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That helps us out a lot and boosts us on the algorithm. And also, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We drop every Thursday. 
And thank you to everyone who has told friends about us. We really appreciate it. And please keep it up because this is 100% organic growth. All right. So to the episode, Chris, last we left off, uh, we were waiting for this top 10 university professor to come out and have a news conference about this photograph. And it had not happened yet. So we are going to jump to January 16th, 1997, two months after this photograph had been sent to Art Bell. And this is finally when the astronomer comes out and tells the world, I am a top 10 astronomer in a leading university, and I'm here to tell you we've made contact with another alien species. That's what we're about to hear. Close. It's where Art Bell discovered that this was all a complete hoax. Uh, So a little bit different than that. And then he has Courtney Brown back on to body slam him into the ground. Oh, dude. But I got to say, dude, ticked off art makes me cringe and and twinge. And I want to turn into a turtle and get inside my shell, dude, because he is withering when he is going after someone. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, it's not just a ticked off art. He also has Whitley Strieber on to also yell at our boy Courtney Brown. So it's Art and, and Whitney. Remind us who Whitley Strebler is again. He is the author of Communion. So he had a series of alien abductions. He wrote about it and he had a radio program at the time. And he currently has his own podcast, I believe, called Dreamland. Okay. So he's still around doing stuff. So these two guys just start ganging up on Professor Brown. Yeah, so let's jump into it because we're going to start with what happened, how Art discovered this was a hoax first, and then we'll get to Courtney Brown. Yes. Okay. All right, so this is the official announcement when Art first said, yeah, this was all fake. Uh, It has come uh, to our attention that the photograph from the alleged top 10 university astronomer uh, that uh, we held on, Whitley and I held on to, as you know, for two months is a fraud i repeat is a fraud i repeat i repeat a big old fat doo-doo diaper set off your klaxons because none of this was real the past two months it's been bullshit okay but art tells us how he figured out it was bs right he does so first off the news conference never happened that was the biggest of course it did (laughs) of course it didn't and and i bet art especially after like the first month is starting to freak out like i bet he contacted professor brown so many times Mm -hmm. yep there were photographs thank god uh i say that because it was not just me a photograph was delivered to Whitley Strieber for some time. Actually, it was going to be about a week, uh, it was promised. And the university astronomer was going to come out and have a news conference. And, of course, the week came and went without the news conference. I was itchy to release the photograph because I felt my word to you was important. However, at the urging of Professor Brown, uh, we decided we would wait. And wait, we did. Finally, releasing that photograph on January 15th. It's just kind of a stupid grift. Yeah. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense 
from Professor Brown's standpoint, but again, I guess I'm trying to make sense of a guy who is the director of a remote viewing facility. And I, th- I think when you think about it that way, uh, it makes a lot more sense because one, this is a guy who says remote viewing is almost a hundred percent accurate. And you can also pay him $3,000 at the time to get trained in remote viewing and then learn how the intergalactic council functions. And you can actually speak with aliens. So like, I don't know. He was a he was a professor at Emory, and I think that's what got Art. And I think Art right. was also kind of into remote viewing, so he was like, you know, wasn't holding that against him, but he totally dropped the ball on this. But this episode's where he makes his comeback for sure, where Art makes his comeback. Dude, he was just a grifter. Professor Brown at Emory University is just a giant grifter. In our opinion. In our opinion. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, I got to hear more. So Art told Courtney that he was going to release this picture. After two months and on January 14th, uh, as a professional courtesy, I called Professor Brown and said, uh, basically, that's it. That the prior week, Whitley Strieber and myself had set a date of January 15th, and if by then this uh, astronomer had not come out with his news conference. We were going to release the photograph that we had. The only information that we had that backed up this story at all. Within 24 hours, we knew that photograph was a fraud. (laughs) Didn't take very long for an astronomer to look at it and say, this is a fake picture. And this is what we were talking about, right? Because with the Chuck, right. Chuck Schrammick one, the astronomers looked at it and were like, dude, that's a star behind Hale-Pop that's right. not a companion object. Yep. And within 24 hours, a guy named Oliver Hynot from the Institute for Astronomy at the University of Hawaii was able to find the picture. And he was like, no, this is it. This is the copy of, of what they did. And they digitally adjusted it to put in an object behind Hale-Bopp. So he actually doctors the picture. The we don't know that Courtney Brown did it, but the picture was okay. doctored. Whoever, so let's just say that he was given it. Yeah, somebody doctors this picture up. Yeah, that's to photograph say, to, to send us down this whole story. Yeah, and remember, Courtney Brown also said he had a bunch of pictures, he only sent like the best one to Art and Whitley Strieber, but he said he had like 60 images on this film roll, right? And like five of them were super high quality. This dude is a grifter. This is incredible. Yeah. So this is absolutely incredible. Here's the thing. So no, I bet that's what he was doing at that institute. He was sitting there playing with the little computer program, being like, "Oh man, they're gonna love this. This is gonna be so much fun. I'm gonna get so many people coming to my remote viewing institute." And that's the thing is that we we're gonna figure out what happened, but. W- Courtney won't give any information. That's probably the sketchiest part about his story. But Art calls him, right? And then Courtney Brown calls Art back and leaves a voicemail. Very concerned that Art is going to release this picture. And then Art has Courtney on. It says, Courtney, I'm going to play the voicemail. Is that cool with you? And the Courtney's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then Art's like, so that's a yes. And then Courtney was like, I guess if you want to play it, I don't remember what I said. So I'll play for you now. 
the voicemail that Courtney Brown left on Art Bell's machine after Art told him he was going to release the photograph. It's good Yo, stuff. Yo, Art doing him dirty, dude. That's the, uh, I'm playing. I'm playing the voicemail. <laughs> I'm playing the voicemail. Hello, Art. This is Courtney Brown returning your call. I know you're planning on doing that. I do think it's a mistake. I don't think you're going to get any payback from putting the picture up, and I think you'd actually get a lot more payback from standing on what you originally said was your word of not putting that up. I think actually your audience, a large portion of your audience, there'll be some rabble-rousers, but other than that, the large portion of your audience will remember you as someone who stuck to his word. And if you put that picture up, uh, they're going to say the opposite. And I just think that the picture, the picture, it's a, it's a blow-up anyway of the original one. So just by itself, it probably couldn't trace the astronomer, but your public image will probably be damaged. I mean, my mother was a journalist. Uh, I was raised in journalism. If there's one thing people have to have confidence in, it's that when the story is developing, if something sensitive comes about, that the person they're giving their information to, uh, you know, will, will, you know, keep some things confidential that have to be kept confidential, i.e. deep throat during the Watergate affair. We, no one still ever come out with who that person is. Anyway, so, Art, I know you may differ from me on this, and it's okay. We can agree to disagree. But I just would like you to think about what I just said. Uh, and I really think you could play this, uh, this uh, to your word business up even more and come out smelling like a rose and actually much stronger. And uh, I really think that's the, the better way to go, the more ethical way to go, and I think it's the ultimately the better the better ratings way to go i think it's better all the way around typical grifter technique dude called deflection <laughs> right it's like you, you don't want to do this because you're gonna look terrible you're going against your word you have journalistic ethics you gotta protect me you can't give away information dude that was awesome this, why Art had to have dealt with these people all the time. Do you think really the Emory University thing really is enough to to say that Art just just doesn't put up any qualms against this guy? I think that's the biggest problem with it because he did not have a pre-existing relationship with Courtney Brown. So for him to just trust right. that Courtney Brown imprudence were like not full of shit or were telling the truth because obviously something was wrong here, right? Something was very right. wrong. This photograph that was supposed to come directly from a top 10 astronomer was fraudulent and came from the university of Hawaii. Right. So something was wrong and art just like fell for it, you know? And I think it was partially what we talked about last time where, you know, a comet melts people's brains in a weird way. Art really wanted to break a story about aliens and finally have evidence that it was real. And then he had a professor from a good university saying he's talking to other people who are saying it's true. So he just took his word for it, apparently. And I just it's also hard for me to believe that Art doesn't have like an astronomer buddy that he can reach out to and just say, can you take a look at this picture and tell me what I'm looking at? That would have been the easiest way to go about it. And the really like, interesting he thing. He had to have had astronomer guests on. And some of them he had to have gotten close to over the years. I don't know. I don't know. 
But I think the interesting thing about the voicemail is number one, Courtney Brown compares it to Deep Throat. So that's a thing. And then he also says it's the yeah. best ratings way right. to go, which in my mind is saying like, hey, don't do this. We got a good thing going. You know, you're going to get your good ratings. I'm going to get some promotion for my business. Like, let's not screw right. this up. I think that's what he was kind of saying in code to art was like, don't screw this up for both of us. Oh, dude, I didn't even pick up on that. Mm -hmm. I was just so taken away by the grift. Yeah, that that I didn't even think about, like, you know, I'm grifting you. Why are you? Why are you doing this? Look, I think he thought I don't was think, in on it. I think like you said, right. I think you're 100 percent right. He thought art was in on it. Art is not in on it no. Art, for whatever reason. <laughs> It's just hook, line, and sinker with this guy. Yeah, I think Art was in on it for the truth. And then when he started to realize that this was bullshit, that's when he was like, no, we are blowing this up right now. I don't think Art wanted to grip his audience. I don't think that was his intention at all. No, no, I, I agree with you completely. I, for what, like I said, for whatever reason, he takes it hook, line, and sinker and puts on the rose-colored glasses and doesn't see it until... Two months, dude. Mm -hmm. Two months. It takes for him to release the picture still. Yeah. That is a man. And that's, I just, I don't understand it because there's so much of this in the conspiracy and paranormal community, right? There are so many grifters. And I guess, you know, I guess that he gets an Emory University stamp. I guess that's what it is, right? That's all we really have at the end of the day is that we get an Emory University stamp on this guy, and so he can't be that big of a grifter, yeah. right? <laughs> you, you would think. You would think. So speaking of universities, Chris, Art actually has on Oliver Hynot, the guy from the Institute for Astronomy at the University of Hawaii, who discovered that this was a fake. And so I start digging in the late 1995 pictures that uh, are on the, the World Wide Web and found uh, on, on the website that I maintained that one of the pictures was exactly the same as the one you, you published. All right, let us go through the points. Um, you, you begin by saying that a careful comparison of the central region of the original image shows the comet in the same position with respect to the background stars. Right. Uh, now, does that mean that it could only have been taken on that day? Oh, it's much stronger than that. It means that it has been taken uh, within, let's say, 15 minutes, half an hour from the picture taken by the stolen. One, that's absolutely incredible that he can pinpoint the time a picture is taken astronomically to that precise of a point 15 minutes that's incredible yeah and the other crazy thing is that because you know exactly when the picture was taken you know where the picture was taken from geographically because right locational taken right. in the united states because it the comet would have been way too low in the sky right right and it could have been taken in the rest of the world because it was daytime and you would not have been able to see so it had to be right. somewhere in between the united states and china What's in between there? Hawaii. Hawaii. And right. then 
Oliver Hynock goes point by point, breaking down exactly why he knows that this is the picture taken from the University of Hawaii, all the way down to the number of pixels like in between the comet, right? Yeah. So he knows for a fact, basically, that this is the exact photograph that was digitally manipulated. And the biggest thing that was done was that they made it black and white. So the picture that was taken at the University of Hawaii was in color, and it was one of the only uh, color uh, photographs taken at Pale Bop because a color photograph is really hard to take on a big telescope. Right. So yes. whoever took it flipped it to black and white to make it harder to identify and right. then just put a little dot in there to say that's the companion. Wow, dude. So they really did spend some time faking this photograph. It was a thought out and intentional hoax. Right. Dude. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So that's incredible. One, I it was such a smart idea for Art to bring this guy on. Mm-hmm. And thank God that he said yes, the astronomer. Yeah. What a public service he's doing. Yeah. A- and in a little way, I kind of hope we're a little bit like the astronomer, right? We don't have that expert knowledge, mm-hmm. but we we are here to go after the grifters. Yeah. There is weird paranormal stuff, right? In the in the instance of the word outside the normal, right? There are conspiracies in this world that are true. Not all of them are true. Not everything is paranormal. Some things are normal. Some things we just don't have an explanation for. Yeah, and some things people are convincing themselves something is happening. Some things people are straight up grifting. Like there's a lot of different things going on. And this- falls squarely into the grift category this is grift this is straight this grift. is grift yeah this this person this you know maybe somebody attached to emory university decided to doctor a photograph now and once again we don't know that it was courtney we don't know that I it was courtney Brown. Okay. i said a professor maybe somebody attached maybe an employee of emory university <laughs> That's all I said. All right. So grifting a whole nation. So let's maybe a whole world. Let's hear from Courtney. Let's let the man defend himself. Okay. Back in 1997. Uh, Do you acknowledge that this photograph is a fraud? Well, Art, based on the information that uh, you sent to me by fax this morning, which is the uh, email that you were sent apparently from Dr. David Solon. Right. Looking at all the data and how he analyzed the pictures and so on, and I myself looking at the two pictures, and then also hearing Dr. Hinnock basically say the same thing, it does appear that the picture is fraudulent. It does appear that the picture is a piece of disinformation that was given to us. This is a very great puzzle to us, I have to admit. I'm as shocked <laughs> as you are, Art. I don't know what happened, buddy. I, I can't believe this. We had... Our best remote viewers on this art, the best. They were, we had them tuning in to the Intergalactic Council art. Well, here's the thing, Chris. We had the complete, almost 100% complete accuracy art. I can't believe this. I have to push back on you there, Chris, because according to Courtney, the remote viewing data is still good. (laughs) That is good data. (laughs) Yeah, you're. I guess what you're right. We haven't heard him say that it's the photo's fraudulent. 
the theory is still correct. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. Got and it. And in Let's good go. faith, we just assumed it was what it was. Now, you must understand, Art, that this photograph has nothing to do with anything we've ever done with regard to targeting and remote viewing. We have never used this photograph for anything other than after the sessions were already in, they were basically sparked by the, by the Chuck Schrammick photograph. After everything was done, uh, later on, the astronomer got back to us within about a week, uh, it seems to me, if my memory recalls, uh, and said, and offered us these pictures. That was a great point. And it was something we haven't really discussed in the first two episodes. Was Art a big believer in remote viewing? I think that he liked the idea and I think he was open to it. I don't know if he was like, I'm going to stake. I don't know. He sort of did stake his career on remote viewing. That's what I'm saying. Like The Emory University part. Okay. But like a remote viewing nonprofit where he teaches people how to remote view. Yeah. That that's sketchy to me. Yeah, it wasn't to art. It wasn't. I think he was kind of in on the idea of it. I, we're we're going to have to go and do some of his non-related remote viewing episodes. Yeah. As maybe even pre these episodes. So like 95, early 96, mm-hmm. because like we have to, we, I think that's somewhere we're going to have to look too. is why is he so hell bent on this? And I, it has to be somewhere in the remote viewing too, I think. Yeah. And I think a big part of it was, he, so like we had said, the first episode where they covered this, where he had Courtney on, where Chuck Schramman had, had the photograph, the amateur astronomer. And then Courtney comes on and is like, I have all this remote viewing data. That was pretty in line with what Coast usually does. I think it was after you combine the remote viewing with the photograph from a top 10 university professor that Art went haywire. Right. Like he's went crazy for it. Right, right. Well, and because somebody at Emory University would have that network. Mm-hmm. Especially a tenured professor at Emory University. I'm this starting- man was serious enough or, or or taken seriously enough by an institution, a well-regarded institution throughout the South, at least, maybe even possibly the whole U.S., possibly the world. And so uh, Emory University, a little bit suspect now, dude. I'm starting to think it's not that hard to get tenure. Is where I'm, I'm at yeah, this. dude. I, they're just giving them out, apparently. Yeah. Just here you go. There's some tenure for you. Maybe it was yeah. maybe it's different now than it was in the '90s, but I don't know. This guy somehow. Well, he's a swindler, right? He just swindled his way to a tenure position, probably. Well, and here's my favorite part about this whole interview is that the entire time, and you heard it a little bit earlier, where he was like, "We had the information, we put the data out there, and then someone came to us with these fake photographs." Right? right. He's going to try and turn this into a conspiracy to Ooh. take down his remote viewing data. Ooh, that's a good conspiracy, though. Yeah, it's pretty good. So let's let's hear a little from that. I'll tell you something, uh, Professor. In the phone call that you made to me, yeah, you appealed to me. Um, as though I were protecting deep throat. In journalism, uh, doctor, if a reporter sits down and writes a false story, That's right. a fraudulent story, 
they lose their careers, and rightly so. And the way I see this absolute fraudulent photograph is no different. In other words, whoever did this deserves to lose their career. You know, um, I'm in agreement with you. The only problem is yes. proving this thing. Now, for example, let's take a look. Well, we, we have not yet said anybody specifically did this. We simply know this to be a fraud. We well, haven't said anybody perpetrated the fraud. The, well, look, if it, if, if it is a fraud, someone perpetrated it. Yes. The question is, why did they want to slip it through to us? No, doctor. Not, the, the no, question, I agree. That's not the question. The question is, who perpetrated the fraud? That's now, correct. So both Art and Whitley immediately shut him down, and he keeps yeah. coming back to this point throughout the interview of like, but right. why did they give us this fake yeah. information? Right, but yeah. why? It's not my drugs in the car officer it's my friend's drugs and that's that's what he wants to do is that he wants to pitch it as i was innocent i was a bystander right and there was a real professor that sent us this information but he was a spook yeah. and he's trying to take down remote viewing he's trying right. to take down our solid data that there's an yeah. alien spaceship back there because the government wants to hide the alien spaceship from you but I'm we have near a hundred percent accuracy, Art. It's scientific remote <laughs> viewing. They're trying to take us down. They don't want this information shared out to John Q. Public, Art. Yeah, you gotta hide that data. This is a takedown of the highest level. They don't want us to know about the Intergalactic Council and the radio waves coming from the Hellbop Comet that are teaching us how to create a device to get to the Intergalactic Council and save Earth art. And this is where I think Courtney misunderstood the nature of Art Bell and Art Bell's show. Because right. number one, I think he thought, oh, it, it doesn't really matter if I you know, am sending right. fake things out. Because yes. Art's going to go for it, and we're going to be on the same grip, yes. and he's going to get the good ratings, and then I'll I'll get promoted. And then number two, when it goes downhill, he's like, no, I'm going to weave a conspiracy. And these are conspiracy nuts, and they're going right. to jump on the conspiracy. Art and Whitley Strieber do not care. They're like, no, right. this was fake. We want to know who made the fake, because now we look like assholes. Right, right. I think that's one of the things that made Art so successful, is that he wasn't a grifter. As you've said so many times, Art wanted to believe. Mm -hmm. Art, as we can see, his belief sometimes clouded his judgment. He's been searching for so many years. This seemed just as likely as an event as any. And I think, as we were saying in the previous episode, there is something about a comet in the sky that makes people a little crazy. Go a little nuts. And I think we got to give that more credit than it deserves. And it's probably one of those things that you forget about it, right? You kind of forget that that for two years almost, the whole world was going a little bit nuts. It's kind of like a pandemic. It's, it's hard for me to even think about early 2020. I can't even really fathom what we were going through anymore. So it, it, the, the, there's almost like a psychological break that happens. And it's like, let's not think about the, the comet time. That was a little crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. We're actually going to hear from Art after all this in March of, uh, of 1997, too, to kind of hear how he uh, ended up dealing with it. But first and foremost, he is going to keep pressing Courtney Brown for the name of this professor. Because yeah. the professor is real, right? Let me ask you. 
do you think at this point that Art believes that it's Courtney grifting and that he created the photo? Do you think Art actually thinks that? I think both Art and Whitney think that Courtney Brown doctored this photograph. That it was him that that doctored this and that it's all a grift. Yeah, I think that's where they're at at this point. Okay. I think you can they may not it. have... They may not have been there before this episode, but by the end of this episode, that's exactly where they're at. You can hear a timber in Art's voice already, and mm-hmm. he's like literally constraining himself. And it's going to keep growing, this right. anger that he has at Courtney. Okay. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. You know, I've told you everything that we do know. No, no. The person's name. No, Professor. Yes. And, and that's what we want. Oh, yes. now, wait a second. All right. Now, Whitley, also listen to this. You both may disagree with me, and that's fine. But there's two things. What if the person actually did perpetrate this thing and actually did was organizing it, the whole thing? First of all, they, they, we sent us. Whoever did it went through a lot of trouble. Obviously. Because the person left a paper trail. They used FedEx. There's, they sent film that was developed. I mean, there's a bigger... So the point is... Uh, the person seems to have done it innocently, but innocently. No, let Whitley say something. Whitley, you take this one. All right. It, it. There's nothing innocent about this. It's a fraud, an intentionally constructed fraud, and I think you have a, a rather strong obligation to say where the photograph came from. That was a Freudian slip, if I've ever heard one. Which part? Where he said, well, really, I think whoever did this is really innocent. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can you can hear how mad Art's getting when he yells innocent. And then he's like, Whitley, you take this. Because right. he's like, I'm getting pissed off and I need to take a breath. Uh, Art had to punch a dummy real quick, <laughs> man. He's got... Like, he's got a scream pillow in the booth with him and he's just got a scream into it every once in a while <laughs> this guy doctored those photos potentially there's potential that he did doctor the photograph oh my gosh because he he keeps on saying there were rolls of pictures and stuff we have this one picture right we have one picture that's all we that's have. all we actually have that's it we have not seen the film roll. We got FedEx packages, and we got we don't have any of that. FedEx packages with names on them, man. Yeah. And he's I, like, well, I can't say the name, though, because what if it was an innocent? Like, how do you innocently send a fake photograph? How do you spend hours upon hours, especially back in the day, dude, 96, 97? You don't just have access to Photoshop. No. No, you had to go out of your way to doctor this photo. You and, had, the, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying, dude. This Courtney Brown is a huge grifter. If he could figure out how to how to doctor a photo back in the day like this, all of his credentials have to be suspect. All right, so let's let's get to Courtney Brown's continuing defense of himself, though. I can't, dude. I'm loving this so much. This is incredible. I'm going so nuts. Courtney's big comeback is like, well, what if the astronomer is innocent, though? What if this was an innocent mistake that was made? Yeah, I didn't real. I mean, the astronomer didn't realize <laughs> the implications of lying to this many people. 
actually, what have we misunderstood when he was talking about the various data that was being sent to him from his other colleagues? And what have we misunderstood? What, how? Uh, no, all right, wait a second, let me say it first. All right, but Courtney. No, Art, let me right. finish a sentence. Go ahead, finish. What if, in fact, it was our mistake in thinking that these were actually taken by him, and in fact these were among the other things that were sent uh, by his other colleagues, and that he just literally sent them to us because it was an interesting photograph and didn't check it out in the beginning, but in fact uh, was perhaps sloppy and sending it to us or whatever. Courtney, but then there will be real photographs and they should be released. Not only now, that. Not second, only that. that but did, what that what Courtney, that may I say, Courtney, may, uh, I, let me finish may I say one word? I did let you finish the sentence, Matt. No, I didn't because the point is that All would right. ruin his career if, in fact, it was sent innocently and he was been caught with this. It's bad enough that I actually had the photograph. That was a bad enough mistake. It doesn't make it any better to go back to the other person because of the other two, the other two possibilities. This dude, I can't believe this. Two wrongs don't make a right, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I can't. What if this is an innocent man that the the deep understate, the 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 no named bureaucracies going after for some reason for trying to help spread the truth, Art. And you're going to condemn this man for making an innocent, small mistake? He didn't realize that grifting can get you in trouble sometimes, Art? He's been grifting his whole life and got a tenured position at Emory University, Art? He's I mean, never Harvard. gotten caught. <laughs> and I just, I love this I mean, idea. a top 10 university, Art. I love this idea that, like, some Harvard astronomer just accidentally sent a doctored photo from the University of Hawaii to Courtney Brown. Like, it was right. innocent. He yeah. stumbled into this picture, and he's like, well, this must be real, and he couldn't figure it out. This, this, this random dude, Oliver Hynot, just runs the website at the University of Hawaii and found it out within 24 hours. Right, right. Like, exactly. Come on. Yeah. He he looked at that. He looked at the photograph and was like, oh, this is an early 1995 photograph. This random dude, this random yeah. shower at University of Hawaii spotted yeah. immediately what time of year in 1995 this photograph came from. They've all been looking at com uh, at comet pictures for the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. Every astronomer has like, uh, I've I've seen the Halebot picture. I know what they look like. Oh, have you seen the new one? <laughs> it looks the same as the last one. Except they're like, all right, that was an April picture. That's a September picture. Yeah. Like angles slightly different. There's different right. constellations behind it. Like they can tell generally where the where the comet is. Courtney Brown is incredible, <laughs> dude. Professor Courtney Brown of Emory University. You're a real one, dude. So let's hear Art Art's rebuttal here, okay? What did Art have to say to Courtney Brown insisting that this professor could be entirely innocent? This is the musical, Paul. This is the musical? This is the musical. The Courtney Brown story. We need to write a book about Courtney Brown. I'm lying. I'm a liar and I'm lying. Hey, whoa. Um, What you just said, I think, is refuted by what Prudence said, she said, uh, nearly quoting, I spent hours and hours talking to this astronomer. She spent now, a long time on the phone with the man. That's right. So, uh, misunderstanding on your part? 
I don't. I, I don't. I, the, I don't think it was. From the beginning, it really did look totally genuine. It really did look, from our perspective, we did not. It's you know, it's. I guess it's not very hard to fool us when the guards just slipping out the photograph. As I'm sitting there, uh, cutting up pieces of paper and forging documents, it looked very credible to us, Art. We were thinking about all the money we could make by uh, <laughs> talking about the Scientific Remote Viewing Institute art. So it all looked very legitimate to us. I just love how his response is, I guess we're just gullible. <laughs> That's your defense? It's really you know, easy to trick us. Considering how complete our scientific remote viewing is, you can say we're a pretty gullible group at the end of the day. <laughs> made you a little bit of, made I, an oopsie on this one. Art. I, I run the top remote viewing institute in the United States. Do you think I'm really good at like figuring out bullshit? Yeah. You th do you think I could spare one iota and somebody could figure out that this was all a lie? Couldn't happen, Art. Well, and this is where, you know, back to what we said before, Art should have just sent this to an astronomer and right. said, hey, is this real? What's or not? up? You What's know? up? Yeah. What am I looking at here? That's yeah. all he had to say. What am I looking at here? And somebody and an astronomer of any renown, apparently would have been like, this, this is fake. This is a fake picture. I don't, not even of any renown. Oliver Hynott doesn't have renown. He's an astronomer who runs the website at the university of Hawaii. He's just a random dude. Well, but, but that's what I'm saying is that, but he works at a university, but yeah, apparently yeah. working at a university doesn't mean anything because <laughs> Courtney Brown is a tenure professor at Emory University. Still to this day, moving on. Ultimately, what you're asking earlier, Chris, was how do Whitley and Art feel about this? And I think we have an answer here with this clip. Well, let me tell you something, Courtney, in my opinion. Uh, if you don't give his name, then your career is damaged. Then your then your reputation is damaged. That's in other words, choice, in other words, if you Art and Whitley listen to this, it this has had an effect on me. It's not only lost my sleep, and it has also affected my my whole day. This is not a good day as far as I'm concerned, since it was not something that Farsight actually did. Since it was not remote viewing, since it was not something that we actually did, we had no business actually talking about it. Was he saying that the remote viewer institute didn't do anything about the Halebot comments? Is that what he just said there? No, no. Basically, he was saying that the buck stops with Courtney. That oh. if Courtney does not say who this astronomer was, then everyone listening is ultimately going to think that you're responsible for this so right. if there is an astronomer say who it is because otherwise this looks really bad for you and it looks really bad for your organization yeah i got that i got that yeah. part but listen to the very end he was saying he said something along of the lines of we weren't in this we weren't doing this. oh no i see what you're saying he was saying they shouldn't have reported on a photograph that came from someone else because he keeps insisting his remote viewing data is good data. The problem was he came on with someone else's data, which was the photograph. And he never right. should have talked about the photograph. Should have just talked about his super solid remote viewing data. You know, we can go in the past, present, or future art with our remote viewers. Never thought once about uh, looking at this photograph and where it came from art. 
So our last clip from this episode before we move on to March of 97, Whitley has a really good idea about how to get Courtney Brown out from under this this rock he's under, right? Because he's saying he doesn't want to say this genre's name because um, he doesn't want to get sued. But then he also says he has all these other photographs that may or may not be legit, but he doesn't want to put them out there because they could be fake. So Whitley has an idea. The the thing that's so distressing and upsetting to me is that what you have done is to create the impression that that there isn't anything else, that this picture and you and Prudence are all that's there. Now, that may or may not be a true impression, but if it isn't a true impression, please, for the sake, for your own sake, help us to believe You've got to release the other pictures. And it's, to go on and say, oh, it's a big can of worms and so forth, it's just ridiculous. It's not let ridiculous. The, let the, if you don't want to release them, then give them to the University of Hawaii astronomers confidentially and let, us, let them give the public a verbal report on it. Why not do that? You can't lose that way. Hello? Let me think about that. Let me think about that. He can't do it because no other photos exist. And that's where he got got. He did not think about that at all. And that's why it's dead silence on the line. Right. Because he's like, shit, that is a perfectly reasonable thing that I don't have a rebuttal for. Yeah. I he's back in a corner, dude. The grifter's worst fear. I bet he had diarrhea for the next (laughs) week, dude. I bet he had a little upset tummy when he was down at emory university teaching students most likely most likely and that's the biggest thing here if this was if he had photographs and he had that roll of film he could have sent it to the university of hawaii and said take a look see if these are all fake right right and it wouldn't out anyone it wouldn't get him in trouble he just has these photographs he's checking their validity he did not do that yeah so that's where it ends uh, that is the story of Courtney Brown on Coast to Coast. He was never welcomed onto the show again. <laughs> I imagine not, dude. Oh, man. Poor, poor Professor Brown, dude. What a tale. What a tale. Actually, I think it would be a pretty good story, which I, I guess is why we're doing it. I think, yeah, that's true. We are telling <laughs> okay. it right now. We are, we are telling, telling it. it. It's a good story. Hopefully it's good. Otherwise, everyone's really bored. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry if it sucked, guys, but I thought it was a great story. Now, Art Bell drops the companion story after this, right? Okay. He's done with it. Yeah, he doesn't uh, but... want to hear. There's no, he doesn't, if he doesn't see Hale Bop again, he couldn't care less. Well, he's not done with Hale Bop, though, because Hale Bop is really cool. So on March 7th of 1997, he has Alan Hale of Hale-Bopp, one of the guys who found Hale-Bopp, right. on his radio show. The guy. The guy that the comet is named after, <laughs> yeah. who he should have gone to first before he had Courtney Brown on there. <laughs> he probably should have hey, started there. Mr. Hale, Mr. Bop, maybe you've seen this uh, comet. Oh, you're the guys who actually saw the thing. Is there something behind it? No? Okay. For the listeners, Chris is climbing on top of his desk right now. And yelling into the mic. I'm so frustrated by art, dude. He's who I'm most disappointed in. 
it wasn't the best move, but he has Alan Hale on and he tries to make all of this into a joke. He tries to, you know, use some humor to get over it. He, of course, is the co-discoverer of Comet Halebot. Uh, that was in July of 1995. And now from New Mexico and here to tell us which city will be impacted by Comet Halebot and which Pleiadium beam, beam ship is lurking behind the comet carrying thousands of green people, is Alan Hale. Alan, hi. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Um, I hope you have a sense of humor. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the people who know me. I don't think Alan Hale finds this funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually not too happy to be here, Art, to be honest, but I was told that it might be a good idea to fix up some of these mistakes that have been happening. Well, and him and Art actually had some beef uh, in, in the newspapers with each other that Art's really? going to try to bury the hatchet on. But uh... I think Coast to Coast is just so big that if you want to talk about a comet, this is one of the bigger audiences that you can get on with comet news and have people interested. Well, and not just that, it's a... It's an audience that most people probably don't touch in the university realm. Mm -hmm. You know, these are uh, these are truck drivers and and security guards and and people who work late night third shift and and stuff like that. You know, druggies sometimes or insomniacs like again, they probably, you know, not middle class probably not upper middle class right mm -hmm. now there's probably plenty of middle class listeners and upper middle class listeners but for the most part this is a huge audience that that somebody like alan hale would not be able to reach normally yeah no it's very true and i think this is bernie sanders going on fox news yeah yeah find some new folks to talk to and i think that's, that's right. what he's doing yeah. Well, like I said, Art tries to bury the hatchet, kind of just call out that they had beef, but they're cool now, right? It's chill. Um, let us begin, I guess, Alan, by um, airing, airing uh, the fact that we did have differences. We did. Um, way back when, when um, the Courtney Brown affair began, um, I was upset with you over the um, uh, Chuck Schrammick business, and I'm sure you were upset with me. Or the way I handled the uh, the news or the information I received uh, from Chuck Schrammick and from Professor Brown, and um, so all of that uh, did occur. And if you have any comments on it, I think you uh, referred to my program as uh, um, the Weekly World News of Radio, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so we had all that happen between us, but. It is my view that what's going on in our sky right now is a whole lot more important uh, than any differences we had. And uh, I think we're both willing to let those go. And you've got a hell of a comment out there, my friend. Actually, Art, I wouldn't change a word that I said. I still stand by that statement entirely. You are the weekly news of radio. 
I don't even know. I don't even understand the reference. That must be He's like a tabloid it's, magazine. Yeah, it's like tabloid hack job. Yeah, right. Bullshit. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, <laughs> and that's the funny thing too, because Alan Hale's just like, "Yep, I said that." Like he I does not that. care. Yeah, to engage I, on this. <laughs> I said that. I still stand by it. I can't believe I'm sitting at the Weekly News of Radio right now. I don't Art. really want to be here. <laughs> yeah. So that is the story of Hale Bop on Art Bell's radio show, ending March seventh, nineteen ninety seven. Now, Chris, from here, we have to get a little darker because the other half of the story is the Heaven's Gate cult. Oof. Okay. All right. So let's, I don't, let's just pretend I don't know anything about Heaven's Gate. What was the Heaven's Gate cult? So Heaven's Gate. Religious movement. Sorry, yeah. we shouldn't use, we shouldn't use cult. The Heaven's Gate group uh, was started in 1974 by Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite. Okay. They originally went by the names Bo and Peep or referred to themselves as the two, but eventually they landed on the names T and Doe. So Bonnie was named T and Marshall Applewhite was named Doe. T and Doe. So where do those names come from? That's kind of weird. The sound of music. Wait, like Doe, a deer, a female deer? That's where it came from because Bonnie Nettles loved sound of music. So she named her and Marshall after that song. This lady loved the sound of music so much that she started a whole religious movement because of it. Not because of that, but she did oh, okay. incorporate it into the movement. Into, into the deep lore. There's yeah. a lot of allusions to the sound of music. Yeah, so to give you an idea of what they believed, T and Doe thought that they were aliens who had inhabited the bodies of humans so that they could save humanity. Star children. We've heard about these people. Sir children? Star children. Oh, star children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've heard about these people. And they started to recruit followers by holding meetings around the country. So they were literally just going to different community centers and handing out flyers and getting people to come and hear about their UFO religion. Just the two of them. Just the two of them at first. Just just going around the country, passing out bills about the sound of music. And saying, you should come listen to us. And and people came? A lot of people came and a lot of people followed them. How big were they at their like biggest? At their biggest, there were a couple hundred followers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they went around like Jesus Christ getting disciples. Exactly like Jesus in their opinion. Oh my gosh. So this is a messianic movement is what you're telling me. Of 100%. course. Yeah. So they well, have other, <gasps> they have a space father. Well, wait, wait for it. Wait for okay. it. Okay. We'll get there. So once they had collected enough members, they started what is referred to as a roving monastic lifestyle. Oh, that's so, kind of cool, though. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't oh, wow, that's a cool roving monastic lifestyle. Yeah. And they were like, like camping out, man. Like very know, crusades, dude. Yeah. Very crusades. Yeah, so, we've uh, <laughs> stripped all of our titles and hold no lands. We are the roving band of of merrymakers. Yeah, so they they disavowed all human pleasures. You couldn't have sex. You couldn't drink. You couldn't do drugs Ooh. or engage in any of the Luciferian delights of modern society. That sucks, dude. Why would you ever say yes to that? Because they they believed in it, man. So okay, what monastic love? Yeah. I guess they really did like the monastic thing, huh? I was like, 
I'm cool talking about God, but like no drinking, no sex. Kind of a bummer. Kind of a bummer. So their theology, if you will, is relatively long and convoluted, right? But to boil it down to its simplest form, the basic teachings of T and Do was that Earth goes through periodic recyclings, is what they called it. Ooh, okay. So keep going. I'm already when, into it. Yeah, whenever archaeologists are finding human bones from tens of thousands of years ago, it's actually old civilizations that were destroyed and recycled. Yes, keep going. All right, so from there, right? So every couple thousand years, the whole planet gets wiped out. It's kind of like Noah's Ark. God decides, y'all suck. We're restarting yeah. fresh, right? All new species. I'm going to get this next one right. Yeah. So there is also an evolutionary level above human that your spirit or your body can go to, right? Right. So this place is known as the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, so, dude. Nirvana or something like that, right? Enlightenment. Not just that, though. This is a physical location in it's the It's a universe. physical realm. Yes. Okay. So they pulled very heavily from the Bible. And T had decided that she was liter literally God of the Bible in human form. And yes. Doe was literally the reincarnation of Jesus. Whoa. So they had a pretty high opinion of themselves. Very high. A little too high. I'm say. actually God in human form. And here's my child in human form. So the, the basic idea of this is that out there in outer space, there's the kingdom of heaven that is a physical place, right? Okay. And that's where the aliens who are at the evolutionary level above human exist. They will periodically send two people down, which is T and Doe, to right. teach them how to get to the evolutionary ah. level above human. And initially the story was you will be physically picked up by a UFO when you are ready. So oh. a UFO will come, <laughs> pick up your physical body, you okay. will chemically transform into an alien Wow. And then at that point, you'll be flown to the kingdom of heaven, and then a, you can live there. A metamorphosis. Yeah, it's, yeah, you get into a little cocoon pod, I imagine. Right, yeah, yeah. and then turn into an alien. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good lore. It's not bad lore. It's very it's ancient alien, you know. Yeah, dude. Kind of fun. I, good lore. I didn't know that's all they believed. Yeah, and the other thing, too, and this is very ancient aliens, is that the reason why the Bible used so much symbolism about, like, people coming in on clouds and stuff is that that is the language that those folks understood yes, at the time. Yes, 100 percent. That's uh, ancient aliens technique all day, all night. So that's exactly what T and Doe said. Yeah. They said, that's what we said before, because that's how they could understand it. But today you understand the concept of UFOs and extraterrestrials and we yeah. are ETs. So now we're going to use that language. And instead of you being our disciples, we're going to call this a classroom and you are our students and we are a group. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So far, dude, I might be in this cult. <laughs> so here, <laughs> here's a direct quote from Marshall Applewhite, right? Just to kind of sum this all up. Aliens planted the seeds of current humanity millions of years ago and have come to reap the harvest of their work in the form of spiritually evolved individuals who will join the ranks of the flying saucer crews. Mm. Only a select few members of humanity will be chosen to advance this transhuman state. The rest will be left to wallow in the spiritually poisoned atmosphere of a corrupt world. So that's like the rapture for evangelicals. Mm -hmm. The 144,000 Jews that get to live. But instead of 144,000, it's um, 
uh, 39 people who lived in a house with Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. So a, a, a little smaller, honestly. Pretty small group of people. Very exclusive. Very much so. Now, here's a plot twist, though. In 1985, Bonnie Nettles, a.k.a. God, died of cancer. God died. God died. So Nietzsche was right. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Check for Nietzsche. So, so, but a couple decades late, actually. Yeah. What year was it? Uh, 1985. God dies in 1985. <laughs> so that throws a wrench into this whole thing, right? Because they were also yeah. supposed to be physically picked up by an unidentified flying object. Okay. So Marshall Applewhite then revises their doctrine and says that dying is the equivalent of leaving Earth on a spacecraft. Ah, uh, so her soul is now going to yes. go to the kingdom of heaven and then right. go into a new body. Right. Okay. Because I mean, all you got to do is get in the pod, right? Mm-hmm. And the aliens would have a way to take your soul and put it into a pod. Exactly. Because that's how they got to earth. They are ETs right. who inhabited the bodies of humans. So right. why not just have them shipped right back and have yeah, a new alien body? Yeah. Boom. Yeah, problem solved, dude. That wasn't even that big of a loop. No, no, honestly, it's not. And that is very vital to this story. So okay. there are four ways to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Which is, a, once again, physical Uh-oh, place. Oh, dude, he created new lore. And that lo- that new lore is going to create some hijinks in the system, huh? It's going to cause some issues. Oh, so, no. number one you can enter the kingdom of heaven once again physical place you can go to by right. being picked up in a spacecraft that's we know that for sure you can definitely get there ezekiel gets to heaven that way mm-hmm. uh i'm sure there were others exactly you can get there by natural death which can be accidental or someone killing you right you can get there through outside persecution that leads to death okay so like i'm being martyred yeah which okay. they thought would happen to them. They thought, because this was at the time of Waco and Ruby Ridge. Yeah. But they were like, the government's going to come the after us. The government's so. going to come after us and yeah. kill us. Ooh, that was and a good ad, dude. Good ad. Good Martyrdom ad. was a key point to the Christian success, dude. And the last piece is a willful exit from your vehicle. So they, what does that mean? They oh, call their bodies ah right so it's i'm willfully leaving this it's not suicide i'm leaving my vehicle to go to the kingdom of heaven is how they described it but it is suicide they were pretty good at the lore because i bet is this being developed with the idea that they're eventually going to commit suicide was this an idea that was rumbling in the group or does or does this kind does it build over time? So we'll, like, we'll I think get of there. Jonestown, right? Like yeah. Jonestown, fundamentally, they did not go there to kill themselves. Yeah, it was just an egomaniac who couldn't kill himself alone. And that's the thing is that they wanted to die in some way. At least Marshall Applewhite wanted to stage it because after Bonnie dies, it's been you know 10, 15 years. Some of these people have been with him since the very beginning, right? So they've just this been is following 10 or 15 years later after her death. Yeah, we're we're now getting to that point, right? Oh my gosh. So Marshall Applewhite still has these followers. Bonnie's dead. And his first thought is let's trigger the US government to kill us. 
That's his first thought. That's his first thought. So they start buying guns and they start storing the guns and they want to trigger a Waco. They want to. Tr- <laughs> they wanted to Waco themselves. Basically, this is horrifying. It's terrible. It, 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 there's a, and all these followers are just like, I guess we're just going to buy a whole bunch of guns. Yeah, and they went for it. But where did they get the money to do that? They they started a website company. They would build websites. It was very early on, so there weren't many people doing that. They were programmers. They were programmers. These are just like early edition of 4chan and like the white supremacist movement. Dude, there is there is so much stuff with Heaven's Gate. You could do just so many episodes on Heaven's Gate alone. So we're this is just the tip of the iceberg here. Right. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. This All right, so no, it's it's crazy. So ultimately, they were like, okay, we don't actually want to get Waco. That would be too violent. Some of us would get shot and bleed out. Some of us would just get arrested and go into prison. Right. So that's a bad idea. Yeah, not a 100% success rate for uh, Heaven's Gate. They're looking <laughs> for 100%. Not at all. So the group then rented a large home in Rancho Santa Fe, California. And this was where they really started preparing for the end. Now, some of them went so far as to castrate themselves so that they would no longer feel sexual urges. Oh, God. And the crazy part about this, according to Sawyer, who is a former member, he still believes in the group's tenets. He left because he didn't think he was prepared to go to the next level, not because he didn't believe. But he said that they set up a room, a sterile room inside of the house, put the words Mexico over it. And then that's where you go in to get castrated. And that way, if the government ever questioned anyone, they would say, yeah, we went to Mexico to get castrated because you can't legally castrate yourself. They were castrating themselves? Yeah, they had a member who was like a nurse and she was the one who was doing it. And oh, it went really badly. God. Yeah, it went I really I could have badly. gone my whole life without knowing that. Oh, I'm here for the fun facts. All right, so at this point, we're reaching 1997, right? Starting on March 19th, 1997, Hale-Bopp reaches its closest point to Earth. Okay. And Marshall Applewhite and 38 followers proceeded to kill themselves in groups of three over three days, where each group would help the group in front of them until only two people were left that helped each other kill themselves. Oh, my Lord. That happened over three days? Yeah, it was about, I think it was about two and a half or three days. I just they assumed just they all did it at once. Uh-uh. That's even more terrifying. And you know the most messed up part, though? Marshall Applewhite was the third to last to die. He didn't stay until the end. He had two other people kill him, and then they right. had to kill each other. Right. Oh, God. How did they kill themselves? Um, I believe the same way. So what they did was they put drugs into applesauce to okay. knock themselves out, and then okay. a helper put a bag over their head so they would asphyxiate oh oh man what an awful way to go so here's the ultimate question right the question that we're trying to answer during this did art bell inspire this in any way with his coverage of hail pop well what's the evidence that we have that they were definitely listeners of coast to coast so according to sawyer the former member uh most members were informed through a bulletin board service of what the UFO community was discussing about Hale-Bopp having a UFO companion. So they were on UFO boards on the early internet, basically. That's where most okay, of them Okay, yeah, out. early websites where people are probably just streaming whatever mm-hmm. information they can get their hands on. Now, there was one member named Tall Odie who listened to Coast to Coast. 
So apparently he heard it from there. And this is another side thing. They all had nicknames that ended in Odie. Yeah. So Sawyer was named Soyody. So it was S Y S W Y, like O D Y or something like that. Yeah. And then right. there was Tall Odie because he was really tall. Right. Right. So yeah, apparently, I remember they had some kind of weird naming system for themselves. Yeah, apparently Tall Tall Odie and a couple other folks went into town to buy a telescope, mm-hmm. and then the next day they came back to return the telescope because they said it was broken because they couldn't spot the companion in space. <laughs> it's not there. This this is a broken <laughs> telescope. Yeah, and that's also a big part of why you know Art Bell was connected to this is because they were a UFO cult. They killed themselves when Hale Bob was close. And there was one guy at a shop who said, yeah, the cult came in saying they were trying to find the companion. So naturally, the media tied this together. That's all the media had Uh to put all of that together? That's all they had. That is pretty freaking loose. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the best. So do you have any of the examples of the articles? I do have an example of the article, Chris. Give us a give us an example of exactly what they were writing. So from Time Magazine's article, The Man Who Spread the Myth. The Heaven's oh Gates 39 had been awaiting the queue to begin their final act. And last fall, it apparently came not in a heavenly vision, but on Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell, a late night talk radio show that has become the nation's top meeting place of the reality challenged. Time Magazine specifically says that Art Bell gave them the signal to kill themselves. This this is almost as clickbaity as our title for these episodes. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. Holy cow, dude! Yeah. So continuing on a little later in the article, even after astronomers identified Shramick's object as an ordinary star, and Bell himself exposed Brown's picture as a fake of his and his top ten professor was a no show. The cult members were not dissuaded when news of their suicides was reported. Says Bell, I started getting a lot of messages saying, Art Bell, you killed 39 people. It's important to understand that the only person who ever said there was a spacecraft following Hillbop was Courtney Brown. It's not a great quote from Art, but man, the media was really gunning after Art. Yeah, they went after him. And Art Bell actually deleted all the audio files off his website. He said it was from a corrupt hard drive, but he deleted them on He deleted them on I mean, you can just assume that is what happened. Right. Why Why are they attacking him like this, do you think? Alternative media, he was putting out a conspiracy, and everyone just, when someone ties it together, everyone else goes with that story. No one really checks it, and they media. And here's the thing, dude. Legacy media, mainstream media, I think particularly hates successful alternative media. Yeah, they're not right? the biggest fans. I mean, Art Bell had a larger share of American listeners than I I guarantee you, dude, like ABC, NBC, and CBS combined. Mm-hmm. More people were turning in nightly than to, like, the 8 o'clock news. Yeah. Right? And so I bet that ticked him off. And, and that's why they gun after him so hard, right? They need to hurt him with the 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 viewership and i don't know if i don't i'm not going to say it was like an intentional thing of like we want to take him down i think that's just how they view people like art bell 
right is they're they're con men they're grifters they're putting out misinformation and oh that's... dude i guarantee you there is a non-zero number of people in the mainstream media who are like we're taking art belt down maybe i don't know i don't know i can't speak to that part i can just speak to what they said i'm speaking to it i'm speaking now, to it here's the thing and this is what the media was missing at the time of the reporting and this is also why reporting that happens the day after an event usually isn't great as bad yeah we we still haven't learned that lesson though yeah you know we the still haven't learned that lesson immediate breaking news usually really inaccurate so it's just yeah. a good thing to know doe had been discussing suicide as an exit since 1994 and he already had a plan in place to do it with barbiturates in 1994 he had a meeting with everyone together wow. and talked about it and four members decided to leave after it was first brought up and this is according to interviews with sawyer once again it still takes them years mm -hmm. to finally do it it does yeah and the other important thing to call out here is that marshall applewhite did not force anyone to stay in the group a lot of people left the group and then came back some left and came back multiple times over two decades right uh, and when Sawyer decided to leave, uh, according to him, Marshall Applewhite gave him 600 bucks and bought him a plane ticket home and said, all right, off you go. Right. Um, so people were there of their own free will. Wow, dude. I mean, the, it's all uh, this is all insane. Like yeah. the whole thing, the whole story, every single part of it. We could have done 20 episodes on these things. Yeah, 100 percent. Now, the other important note here, Doe thought he had cancer. So his body was clearly deteriorating, right? And he had gotten to the point in the belief system where there needed to be some sort of finale. He was Jesus, and without Jesus, none of them could get to the next level. They had to be with him to get on a spaceship. He didn't think he was going to make it to a spaceship, so he had to get them all to exit with him so that he could take them to the kingdom of heaven. According to his own lore, he would need to do this. He had to be the one that would take him, and mm -hmm. he could be dead in the next couple of weeks. What if I die before I can take y'all with me? Yeah, and he the thing is, he didn't actually have cancer. He just looked like shit. Really? Yeah, so they oh did an autopsy my. on his body. He had other medical conditions that may have yeah. led him to think this, but he didn't actually have cancer. Yeah, I, I imagine he had a couple of medical conditions when you think you're an alien Jesus Christ and the best way for your group to go to the next level is to kill yourselves. Yeah. Now, and their yeah. first idea was to Waco themselves. Yeah, yeah, let's get waco <laughs> Oh, honestly, this is a better idea than Wacoing, though, because you put a lot of other people's lives in danger yes. if you Waco yourself. Now, on their own website in January of 1997, they stated outright that if there's a companion object behind Hale-Bopp is entirely irrelevant. And the reason why they put that on their website is because they believed Hale-Bopp to be the marker, right? So there didn't need to be a spaceship at all. Hale-Bopp was the marker that they were supposed to kill themselves, and that marker was sent by T, their older member, a.k.a. God, who had passed away yes. and was already in the kingdom of heaven. Right. And the reason why they think that, that this was so important why it was a marker is because T and Doe met in 1973, which is the year the comet Kohotep was visible in the sky. So that ah. meant that Hale-Bopp was a sign from T that the next level was ready for them. And right. it was the bookends. They met under yeah. a comet. He leaves at the comet. Right, right. Actually, I mean, dude, very literary. Very, very literary. It is, yeah. Yeah. And that's the ultimate defense of our bell, is that they 
did not believe there was a companion behind Hale Pop. They might have thought to look into it at first because they heard right. about it, but when they killed themselves, no one in the group believed it and they put on their website that it yeah. is irrelevant. They, they didn't thought, need yeah, the vehicle. They didn't need it. They didn't need it. And it wasn't it wasn't even necessary. Their their spirits were going to be guided, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They don't need a UFO for this. According to their own theology, a UFO is not needed. Let's hear let's hear directly from our Heaven's Gate members. All right. So I reached out uh, to two Heaven's Gate members who still run the website, right? Because they used to be members um, and they were tasked with continue, continuing to distribute the materials, which were the videos that were recorded by Doe and his followers uh, to anyone who asks, right? So I, I asked them via email. I said, were the deaths in 1997 a result of the belief that there was a companion object behind hale -Bob? The response, no, there was no craft behind the comet. The group debunked this in January of 1997. The, they they got a telescope, looked, didn't see one. They saw it themselves. There is no companion. There's no companion, right? Right. Which means that Art Bell is not the reason why this happened. Right. To what extent was the group aware of Art Bell's coverage on Coast to Coast of hale -Bop, And did this coverage inspire or validate the group's beliefs about hale -Bop being a marker with a possible companion? And the response back was they were aware of the show, but it had no influence at all. Wow, dude, just came out and said it. No influence. No influence. That we didn't and need it. They didn't need they it. They need it. It's not needed for any of this. Yeah. Next up, what are your thoughts on media outlets saying Art Bell was indirectly responsible for the events of 1997? And once again, Art Bell's coverage had no effect at all on the group. Wow, dude. So they just, they, yeah. They don't, they uh, didn't even contribute. Not uh, even, no factor whatsoever. And then I was curious, right? Because I was like, what else is wrong about the group that you've seen in the media? And the response back was, it is nearly all a misconception. So I said, if it's a misconception, you know, where would you go to get the most accurate reporting on this group? And uh, he recommended Heaven's Gate, America's UFO Religion by Professor Benjamin Ziller as someone who got closer to the truth than anyone else. So if anyone's interested, we'll put a link up to that book. If you're if you truly want to get the the closest possible take to what happened to the Heaven's Gate uh, religious movement. And that is our answer, Chris, according to Heaven's Gate and according to all available information, Art Bell did not influence them to commit suicide like was being reported in 1997. They had their own lore. It had been going on for decades and it needed to end at some point. And this was how they chose to end it. Not surprised, dude. Of course. Any like we said, the first take from the media is always going to be awful. They never get it right. They never get it right. That's it's it, actually they don't never get it right, but they can be very their wrong. Their first take has never been right <laughs> in the history of the mainstream media, Paul. Okay, that sounds right. From sounds since okay, how about this? I'll give the age of corporate media. The first immediate take is always wrong. There's always well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Moving on, Chris. Scale of one to five, Hailbot comets. Now that we finished the total story, what do you give this one? I don't even know, dude. I don't even know. I don't even know what to rate, dude. I hate Professor Brown, a, a grifter to the highest order, highest magnitude. 
I mean, at least Barnum and Bailey gave us something, you know, we, we don't even, we got like two weeks of a story and now art bell, you know, murders 39 people. Like art is the one who gets the trash on him. Right. Mm -hmm. Not, not Courtney Brown. Courtney Brown still has a job at Emory university. Yeah. So like I give, uh, Courtney Brown a doo-doo diaper. And his scientific remote viewing, he gets a trash hole. Uh, art, I'm disappointed in, dude. I've, you've built art up for me so much that I'm, I'm questioning. I just, it's hard. I don't know why he gets grifted by this man. Yeah, he did a bad job. He did a really, really bad job. This now, man is a grifter. Art's Art terrible has... job does not yeah. mean that he's responsible in any way for what happened. 100%. But 100%. he did an awful, awful job on this. They're really bad, dude. And yeah, he's not even culpable. He's not even, but like, it's just disappointing that he got led by the nose, dude. Yeah. Completely, completely led by the nose. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give it one comment. This is such a mess of a situation that was a very long time to research. And uh, it's it's insane. There's really nothing at the end of the rabbit hole besides just sadness. Like, Art Bell screwed up. It was a huge mistake. All the Heaven's Gate stuff, dude, is really tragic and upsetting. Right, all like, tragic. Nothing, there's nothing good here. <laughs> there's nothing pretty positive. Good, pretty good lore from the Heaven's Gate folks you know you gotta have good lore if you're gonna get people to follow you to commit suicide so pretty good lore pretty good lore so i'll give them that sad that they all had to die because of it yeah that's not great but well that has been the show and that will end our hail bob heaven's gate series so thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed it all conspiracy all the time later